If you'd like to turn to Romans chapter 11, we'll be reading from there in just a few minutes. I would like to say that I am very grateful for the privilege of having a part in this celebration and the affirmation of the Lord's calling on Jimmy D's life. When he was in kindergarten, he brought home a paper, one of his uh, earliest assignments, telling what he wanted to do when he grew up. And Jimmy's answer was, I want to be a garbage man. Well, I asked him why, assuring him there's nothing wrong with any work. I figured, you know, his answer would be the same as what mine would have been. You know, I think it would be kind of cool to ride around the streets of Charlottesville hanging on the back of that big truck. But when I asked him why, son, he, he said, because I want to help people. And it wasn't just a few weeks later that Jimmy D. came home and told me that the Lord was calling him to be a preacher. I didn't discourage him. I didn't encourage him. I, I wanted to leave it with the Lord, um, knowing that if it was the Lord's calling, that, that it would happen. And to my knowledge, Jimmy D. never wavered from it. I don't know if he had other ambitions at different times, but if he did, he never shared any of that with us. So here we are, 19, 20 years later, affirming all that the Lord has done in bringing Jimmy D. and Megan, who's been such an important part of this journey to this point in time. And Megan, I want to tell you, I, I sure do love you. I am very proud, uh, very honored to be your father-in-law and just to see what a wonderful wife, what a wonderful mother you are. And, and what a blessing I believe you've been to, to the church here, but you've certainly blessed our lives, and we're grateful. In praying about delivering this ordination charge, my mind first went to kind of the obvious text, you know, probably a real obvious one, 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers as an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. I also thought about Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, which remind us to walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. But as, as I was praying about this morning and, and just reading uh, my own devotional time, my attention was drawn to Romans 11, verse 36. Romans 11, verse 36, and I thought, this is it, that this summarizes everything that needs to be said. For from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever, amen. Um, a lot of my thoughts will be directed at Jimmy D, but I pray that they will also land in your hearts and resonate with you this morning, because this is a passage for every one of us. Because this is the framework, Jimmy D, for everything that you are to be and everything that you are to do as a child of God, which was your first calling, as a husband, which was your next calling, as a father, which was your next calling, and then as the pastor of Hillsborough Baptist Church. So in these three elements of this text, we see three things. First of all, we see the origin of what your ministry should be. All things are from him. This is something I tried very hard to teach Jimmy D. growing up, that everything we do 
is ministry when it is done is unto the Lord. And Jimmy, I trust you remember our conversations when you and Amelia were serving as the janitors of advancing native missions. And I would remind you on the way to work to clean the bathrooms today as if Jesus would be washing his hands in there. When you clean the kitchen this afternoon, clean it as if Jesus will be in there fixing a sandwich. You see, everything in the life of a believer and all ministry, which again is all of life, it's not just pastoring, but everything we do as unto the Lord is ministry, it must flow from him. Ministry must proceed from his indwelling life. It must spring from union with him. When you look at the scriptures and look at how the Lord called the disciples, the twelve, depending on the translation you're using, we're told that he ordained them. We're told that he appointed them. He chose them, but then they're all the same to be with him. They were ordained, chosen, appointed to be with him before they were ever sent out to preach, before they were ever sent out to exercise the authority that was given to them They were called to be with him. Jimmy D., your primary calling in life, the very best thing that you can do as a husband, as a dad, the most important thing that you can do for the good people of Hillsborough Baptist Church is to be with Christ. Do not neglect your time with him. It's more important than sermon preparation, although that's necessary. Do not overlook times of prayer the habits of grace, the disciplines of godliness, because it is in these means and at these times that your life in Christ is nourished and strengthened. It is from him and from the overflow of your life with him, your relationship with him, that your ministry as a child of God, as a husband to Megan, as a father to J.D. and Annalyn and Naomi, And as the pastor of Hillsborough Baptist Church, it must proceed from the overflow of your life in Christ. The second thing we see here is the operation of your ministry. That all things are through him. As you listen to him through his word, and the still small voice that brings his word to life and to remembrance, as you know him, as you love him even more, As you discern his will and continually seek his purposes, your ministry will move forward. There will be times, I can tell you, however, in life and in ministry that you'll feel like Zerubbabel. He was a civic leader of Jerusalem tasked with rebuilding the temple. The work had stalled. If you consider it, Zerubbabel probably did exactly what we would do. He did everything he knew to do. He most likely exerted all the power that he had, but he was still at a loss. And then the word of God came to him. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And you're going to find, son, that life and ministry, as you've already found, which for the believer is the same thing, life and ministry must be through him. Consider these verses. Through him, all things were made, John 1, 3. Through him, we believe, John 1, 7. Through him, the world might be saved, John 3, 17. Through him, the mighty works of God are made manifest in Acts chapter 2. 
Through him we have obtained access by faith unto this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope the glory of God. Romans 5. Romans 8. Through him who loved us, we are more than conquerors. Through him we have access to the Father. Ephesians chapter 2. Through him who strengthens me, I can do all things. Philippians 4.13. It is through him that we live, according to 1 John. And you know this, Jimmy D. But I remind you in front of this good company that you've been called to shepherd that only what is done through Christ, only what is done in fellowship with the Father, only what is done through the power of the Holy Spirit will be worthwhile. So whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him as Colossians 3.17 reminds us. And then finally, we see what will be the outcome of your ministry. All things are to him for his glory forever. It's almost 32 years since I was called into vocational ministry. 29 years of that as a formally credentialed minister. 26 years of that in full-time kingdom work. And I guess I'm approaching what they call the old-timer status because I'm sometimes asked by, by young guys, what would you do different if you were starting out again? Or what do you know now that you wish you would have known then? And the, the list is long. But if I had to narrow it down to one, this is it. For from him and through him and to him are all things... To him be glory forever. Amen. I wish I would have cultivated a deeper walk with Christ much earlier. I wish I would have understand much earlier that ministry must be through him. Through his wisdom. Through his power. Through his love. Through his strength. Through his purposes. Most of all, I wish I would have learned much earlier that it's not about me at all. But it's about him. For his great glory. And I'm thankful you've learned this, Jimmy D. And I'm thankful that you're continuing to learn it. Because as you continue on, you will relearn it. And then you'll learn it again. It's not about you. It's about him. This truth will spare you from the sins and idolatry of self. This reality will keep you off of the treadmill of performance and the bondage of religious obligation This certainty will help your marriage and your parenting as you find satisfaction and rest in Christ and not in yourself and not in your work. This truth will spare your congregation from the horrible prospect of a pastor who is full of himself and is all about his own prestige, his own power, his own personal enrichment and private agendas in short, Let me just put it in my own words here. A desire for God's glory as the motivator of your ministry will keep you from getting all swolled up with yourself. You'll see the Lord do things that you can't even begin to imagine because your heart will be all about him. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. 
That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to the God of his glory. I'd ask you to come a moment, son, and stand here with me for the, for the formal charge that I'm going to give you. I borrow from the words of Paul, who indeed was speaking and writing the word of God, as found in 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 14. But as for you, O man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus to keep these commands unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. I know you're not really a sentimentalist and not really a a collector, but I do want to present you with something this morning with a Bible. It's in this box because it is pretty worn, uh, even somewhat fragile. It's the Bible that was given to me at my dedication by Paul Paul and Mama Jenkins. And I don't offer it, it as an act of sentimentality, but as a reminder of your heritage, as a reminder of the fruitfulness and the faithfulness of those who've gone before you, both of your great-grandfathers, pastors. And I hope you'll keep it as a memorial before the Lord to remind you of this day, to remind you of what the Lord has already done in your life and ministry and to encourage you with the things that are still ahead of you and Megan for his glory. Proud of you, son. I sure do love you. At this time, uh, brother... Fred Walls is coming, uh, probably the most influential church in our lives through the years, apart from our own churches that Jimmy grew up in, that we were members of before his coming here. It's Carrollton Baptist Church. Uh, Pastor Lee Hess was part of the ordination board. He couldn't be here today. Uh, Brother Fred Walls is one of the elders of the church, and he's been uh, tasked with leading this next section of the service. Thank you, sir. You know, when pastors get together and they start comparing some of the more discouragement, discouraging encouragements regarding their sermons from the other week, they'll hear a lot of things and consider some of these statements that might have been said about their sermons. Like, well, that was real. You always manage to find something to fill the time. I don't care what they say. I like your sermons. If I'd known you were going to be that good today, I would have brought my neighbor. (laughs) Did you know that there are 79 men in this church that are balding? (laughs) Been there. Okay. Dear, we we shouldn't make you preach so often. Pastor, you don't have to shoot for the fourth grade level. And everybody, you can shoot for that fourth grade level and everybody will understand. 
I apologize not being able to listen to you. I will be honest. It was because you did something different with your hair today. I can't handle change. Pastor, Pastor, I would have paid close attention, but the temperature in the room was just not right for me today. Yeah, seriously, this morning, I do have the privilege of coming before you folks and encouraging us all in our role as we seek to support, nurture, and defend our young pastor, Jimmy Temple, and his calling and his mission as minister of this church. I'm an elder at my church, as, as Jay just mentioned. I've been there since we started the church as a church plant 32 years ago. I'm also an active member of the Gideons International, presently serving as the Virginia State Chaplain. I mention that because I believe I can speak to you as, as churchmen uh, in a way that will challenge and encourage you to be a type of church that Pastor Jimmy D. needs and can lead successfully. Are you people who have experienced general conver- genuine conversion? There are a lot of churches today that are filled with babes in Christ or walking dead men, as I say. That is, they're unsaved people. Do you have a love for other folks and their spiritual needs? Or is church to you just something that you can get what you want and that's it? When I speak to a church representing the Gideon ministry, I spend a lot of time talking about the role of the church member in making Christ known to folks all around them. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus commanded us, commanded you and I to make disciples. We most often translate that command as go ye therefore as someone else going, not me. But the word go really should be translated as you are going. That means you going all the time to all people. We are to make Christ known. Have you ever asked a person this question? If you were to die today, how sure are you that you would go to heaven? Or how about this question? From zero to 100%, how, how certain are you that if you died, you would go to heaven? Now, these are important questions dealing with a person's eternity. Are you a church member that is willing to work towards intentionally asking such questions? The fear of man is always a restraining force in these matters. I've seen Pastor Jimmy grow up, and I've seen him nurture such a desire to share Christ with the lost, and I have seen him act on that desire. And I, I've been amazed as his, when he was such a young guy, I remember getting videos to go out on UVA campus and hand out, similar to what we do, handing out scriptures. He needs a church that's on board with doing that very thing. Is your life gospel saturated? Are you in the word daily? Are you reading and doing Bible study regularly? Do you desire to learn more and more from God's word? Pastor Jimmy needs people that are Bible-centric. Then he can lead them into a closer walk that will cause this church to be a change agent for the gospel here in this community. Pastor Jimmy also needs a church that believes in prayer and does that continually. Prayer is the greatest ongoing gift and tool that our Heavenly Father has given us. And we need to exercise that 
at all times. Acts 1.8 in the Word says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's break that verse down and apply it to our lives, yours and mine. Pastor Jimmy needs a church that recognizes that the Spirit of God calls people unto himself, leading them to faith and to eternal salvation, beginning in their lives the process that we call sanctification. That same Spirit empowers each one of us to go out and make Christ known. We know that left to our own devices, we don't have the courage and staying power to share Christ. And that's where the, the Spirit comes in to help us. Pastor Jimmy needs a church that is empowered by the Spirit to go and make Christ known. When I explain that verse, I like to point to the progression of sharing that Christ taught. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's going from near to far in our sharing. For us, our Jerusalem is the folks right around us, our family members, our, our people that are right next door, our, our close friends. Are you helping make sure that those folks are where they need to be before the Lord? And are you praying for sharing and, and helping them? Our Judea is away from home, but it's our workplace, a place, place that we see people that we know, but, but our co-workers, folks all around us, around us close up. And they need to hear the gospel too. It's always a, a blessing to be able to share with them. Because being a Gideon, my wife and I share scriptures a whole lot personally in, in up-close situations. But that's, that's an example of what we need to be about sharing our faith. Our Samaria is folks that we don't know but ones that God has put into the pathways of our life. Folks in the grocery store, for example, uh, one of our ladies, uh, one of our auxiliary members shared with us the other week that she was at a car wash, and she was wiping down her car, and there was a young man beside her doing the same thing, and they struck up a conversation, and she pulled out her testament, and she, she proceeded to start to talk to him about his spiritual condition, the questions that I mentioned just a minute ago. And she opened up those scriptures, and we, in the back, had started sharing the gospel with her, with that young man. And before they finished, he had prayed to receive Christ. And that's what I think it's all about. You know, it's, it's about sharing our faith. And I think Pastor Jimmy needs folks that are committed to do that. For the ends of the earth, for you and I, that's all, when we go off on vacation, on travel, when we're away from this place completely. An example of that, Darby and I, my wife, went to Mexico a couple years ago, took a box, a, a good bunch of Spanish testaments in our, um, in our suitcase and took the opportunity to share with those people serving us in the resort and giving them the good news of Jesus Christ as we went. And that's what it's about, making the world, the Christ known across the world. We do need to remember... These opportunities don't happen by accident. They're superintended by the Holy Spirit. And we need to be ready to be used by that Spirit. Hillsborough Church, are you regularly praying for Pastor Jimmy and his family? Are you letting him know that you are praying for him? On a hard day, he needs to know that he can call on you for a listening ear and encouragement. 
on a good day, he needs to know that his family is rejoicing with him. Pastor Jimmy needs a church family that cares for his family and consider them part of his ministry. Although I do see that seems to be a lot of folks in your family are right here in the ministry. So that's awesome. Brothers and sisters, you need to remember that any pastor teaching the truth from the Word of God has a big X on his back, put there by the enemy, by Satan, and that the enemy will attempt to take down his effectiveness. Don't allow yourselves to be used as a tool of that great enemy. Every day, cover your church and Pastor Jimmy with prayer for protection and wisdom in dealing with the enemy's attacks. Pastor Jimmy needs forgiveness when he errs, grace when he makes mistakes, and room to grow and exercise creativity. God is working in all of our lives, and Pastor Jimmy needs to know that you do not expect him to be perfect, but you're going to help him. You don't expect perfection, but you will help him to go in the right direction. You need to be charitable in your words to Pastor Jimmy. You need to give him the benefit of the doubt. You need to appreciate his unique giftedness and affirm his special divine design. Pastor Jimmy does not need to be unnecessarily criticized, slandered, or taken advantage of, or put under a microscope. He does not need to face an environment that buries his new ideas and causes him to look elsewhere for acceptance and love. As Christians, we are called to love without partiality. We must recognize that Pastor Jimmy has been especially chosen as minister of the gospel in this place. He has unique responsibilities, pressures, and requirements that go with, the, with that calling. He has been called by God to this church. Please continually affirm that call. Jimmy, you are a special guy. Hill, Hill, Hillsborough Church, as you pray for the success and fulfilling God's will for his life, may you not, feel, fail, excuse me, may you not fail in your obligation to build him up into the man of God that this church needs. I'd like to offer up this prayer. Let's pray. Father, please overshadow this church with your Holy Spirit. Give it a desire to come up alongside their pastor with love, respect, joy, and encouragement. Lead this church to faithfully minister to his family with love and encouragement. Spirit, cause joy, the joy of salvation to flow through this ministry. And lead this church to what you would have it to be, a light in a dark world shining forth for the advancement of the gospel. I ask that, I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Brother, what's next? <laughs> Pastor Jimmy D. and Megan, would you all join me right here? We could just stand right here in front. Okay, I'm going to put this down for a second and just speak loudly. that to you today. 
not only your support of Ginger and your family, but um, but you know she's a very valuable member of our church here. And as you've noticed already this morning, she is contributing, loving. So thank you. Loving. And um, then also again on behalf of the church, um, I'd like to say, Pastor Unity, we love you. Uh, we appreciate your ministry here so far and in the future. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I have a colleague at work, and every time I say, how, how are you doing this morning? He says, so far, so good. <laughs> so I'm not sure exactly. But we are hopeful about the future yeah. and thankful. Um, and so with that, I'd like to make this presentation of the ordination certificate. Which reads... Hillsborough Baptist Church, having duly appointed a council of ordained ministers which confirms its recommendation herein, and having taken deliberate and sufficient opportunity for judging his, care, his Christian character, service, gifting, and view of biblical doctrine, does hereby certify that James Devon Temple III has, solemn, has been solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, on the 26th day of February in the year of our Lord, 2023. And he said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Mark 16, 15. Dear Church, thank you for the opportunity and the true privilege and blessing of being able to serve as your pastor. I will forever think it's crazy that you collectively as a church called me to be the pastor when I was just 22 years old. It is still forever mind-blowing to me. But I remind myself that that's not too crazy compared to some others. For example, Charles Spurgeon, Baptist preacher and England. He was called to be the lead pastor when he was just 17 years old. So at least I have a little bit of age maturity on him, five years. But no, the only reason I stand up here as your pastor is because of the grace of God. It's the only reason I'm here. That's the only reason y'all have called me to be here. It is solely by the grace of God. Amen, church. And I stand before you here today simply because of his grace. So for those of you who may be visiting, whether you be family members of mine, or friends of mine, or friends of the church, or for the rest of you who are here for the free food, you know who you are, <laughs> I'm glad you're here, right? I'm glad you've chosen to rejoice with those who rejoice, and just know that you're, you are welcome here at Hillsborough, and I'm glad you're here on this special occasion. But I do want to take a... Um, a brief moment to share with you, specifically, my church family, because you are the ones who, as I say, you, you know my repertoire, you're the ones who put up with me week after week. So uh, I, I want to ask you specifically uh, with a few reflections and thoughts. As I was pondering and praying this past week about what I should share, kind of like as my dad was alluding to, there are different uh, passages that came to mind. 
Uh, for example, one he didn't mention, but that came to my mind was 2 Timothy 4. It's uh, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage, with great patience and careful instruction. Uh, Ephesians 4, like he mentioned, a few other passages. But the one verse that kept coming to my mind was Colossians 1.28. And if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there so you can see it with your own eyes. Colossians chapter 1. Verses 24 to 29 is the section, but verse 28 specifically kept coming to my mind. In Colossians 1.28 tells us this, He is the one we proclaim. Jesus Christ is the one we proclaim. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Now, it's common knowledge that if you want to be a Baptist pastor, one of the prerequisites is that your sermons must contain three points and a poem at the end. All right, and those of you who have been here the past three years, you know that's typical of how I present and and preach sermons. And so to stay true to that, I do want to share with you three convictions from this text that I believe correlate to my present pastoral ministry here at Hillsboro. So firstly, from the text, likewise of Paul, I, I, I can think I can apply it to my context here. Firstly, I've been commissioned by the Father. Secondly, I've been called to preach Christ. And then thirdly, we all must continue in the Spirit. So firstly, commissioned by the Father, this is from verses 24 and 25. So Paul talks about the church in verse 24, and then in verse 25, he mentions that I have become its servant. I have become a servant of the church by the commission that God gave me. And similarly, church, the reason I stand up here before you is because I believe that God has called me to be a pastor. He has called me to vocational ministry. But now a very legitimate question arises whenever somebody may say something like that, and that is, how do you know that you are called to be a pastor? How do you know that you're called to be in vocational ministry? And you can broaden that a little bit and and kind of ask, how do I know if I'm called to vocational ministry? How do you know specifically? It's a big discussion, but I simplify it into two broad brush strokes. There's an internal desire and external affirmation. Okay, so the internal desire. My dad already shared part of that this morning. Ever since I was young, I knew I wanted to enter into the ministry in terms of vocation. And it was in my teenage years, though, right? You fast forward a little bit. It was in my teenage years that God refined that desire in me. Specifically, there were different ministries, different people that I met in my teenage years that shaped and formed my desire regarding the Bible. What do I mean by that? In other words, God opened my eyes to see three different things about the Bible itself. He opened my eyes to see the authority of the Bible. This is from the ministry of Answers in Genesis. If you all have heard of that or familiar with that. They made the Creation Museum, the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. And while they might be known as a ministry that emphasizes creation and, and the, you know, what happened the first six days of the, of the universe, 
at its core, that ministry is all about defending the authority of God's Word, beginning in the very first verse. That ministry impacted me to help me to understand the Bible is the authority for all of us. It is the rule of life. It is binding. It is important. It is necessary. It is the authority in all of our lives, whether we recognize it or not. Through one man in particular, um, the, the second thing, God opened my eyes to see the beauty of the Bible. Right, the Bible is not just this dry rule book about commands that you must obey. The Bible is extremely beautiful. Right, the book of Psalms talks about how the Bible is sweet like honey. It is delectable to taste. It is beautiful to read. It is beautiful to behold because of who it's all about. It is all about Jesus Christ. And God opened my eyes to see the beauty of Christ through his word. And then lastly, through one ministry, um, Living Waters, The Way of the Masters, from Kirk Cameron, Ray Comfort. Uh, They've impacted my life a lot. But basically that whole ministry, it's about evangelism. Spreading the gospel, sharing the truth of the Bible with others. And it was those three components, right? The beauty of the Bible, the authority of the Bible, the need to share the Bible, it all funneled into one main sentence that I knew when I was 15, 16, and that was this. I want to share the beauty of Scripture with others. It, that's as specific as it was at that point. You fast forward a good bit, right? That's the internal desire, the external affirmation came formally and officially on March 8th, 2020 with you, dear church, Hillsborough Baptist Church. And I stand up here today because you are the ones who recognized and affirmed God's call on my life. And I'm grateful for your humility in doing so, for your love in doing so, and perhaps most of all, for your long-suffering in doing so. I've been called by God. I've been commissioned by the Father. That leads to the second point. Called to do what? Well, from verses 25 to 28, I've been called to preach Christ. Verse 25, the Apostle Paul states, I become a servant of the church by the commission God gave me to do what? To present to you the word of God in its fullness. In Acts chapter 20, verse 27, Paul says some similar language there. He says, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole counsel of God. Right? To be a faithful gospel minister, to be a faithful pastor, we must be committed to the entirety of God's Word. Genesis to Revelation, everything in between. And Paul says, I become a servant of the church because God has called me to present to you, to preach to you, to proclaim to you the Word of God in its fullness. Now, how many of you recognize that the Bible is a massive book? Right? It is a massive book. I, I saw somewhere online that if the Bible were printed out in terms of just normal books that we read every day, right, the, the thicker pages, thicker font, if it was printed out in those type, that format, it would be about this long in terms of how many volumes there would be. Right? It's a very big book, and it can be somewhat confusing, somewhat challenging to read at times. But there's one theme, specifically there's one person that ties this entire book together. And it is Jesus Christ. Paul says that, right? Present to you the word of God in its fullness to preach the entirety of God's word. There's a mystery that has been kept hidden. There's something that hasn't been able to have been fully grasped in the previous millennia, the previous centuries, but now because of the incarnation, the mystery has been revealed. 
the secret has been revealed. The tying factor has been revealed, and it is this. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. What is it? The glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Church, today, as your pastor, my greatest calling as pastor, right? Of course, it's to family first. Of course, it's personal. But as pastor here, my greatest calling is to proclaim Christ to you through the entirety of God's word. This is the greatest thing I can offer you because when you really think about it, in and of myself, I have nothing to offer you. And I especially, especially stepping onto this scene uh, initially when I came here at Hillsborough, right, three years ago, it's just one of those kind of daunting things because the pastors I, I interact with a lot, I, I just I frequently don't meet a 22-year-old lead pastor ever. Uh, I don't think I've ever met one, uh, to be frank. So stepping into that role, I think, what can I offer the church? I can't draw on 20 years of experience of sermons I preached before. I can't draw on you know, cool little anecdotes and wisdom stories from all that I've learned in life over the you know, 50 years I've lived. It's, it's simply this, the only thing I can offer you, which is really the only thing that matters at the end of the day, is Jesus. It is Jesus Christ, the living word through the written word. So church, it is my desire, it's my calling, my responsibility, my honor to proclaim Christ to you week after week. But lastly, we all continually, all of us, we all must continue in the Spirit of God. This is from verse 29. Well, actually, let me back up in verse 28, right? He, Jesus Christ, is the one we proclaim. We admonish, we teach everyone with all wisdom. What's the end goal? What is the end goal of why we gather? Right? Why, why do we come here in the first place? Why are we a church? Why do we exist? Why are we Christians? The end goal is right there. That we all might be fully mature in Christ. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7 unpacks that a little bit more. Right? To be mature in Christ, that means to live in Christ. To be mature in Christ means to be rooted and to be built up in Him. To be mature in Christ means to be strengthened in the faith. To be mature in Christ means to overflow with thankfulness. And in Ephesians 4, when Paul also talks about maturity, a big key word there is unity. Being united together in Christ. That's the end goal. And how do you get there? How do you get to that end goal? Well, I think it's kind of twofold. It's one, hearing the word and responding to the word. Right? It's to, and to hear the word, as Paul says in Romans chapter 10, to hear the word, somebody must preach it first, right? Somebody preached the word to me. I'm grateful that uh, my pastor that I grew up with, Pastor David Allison from Nortonsville Church of God, he's here with his wife, Sister Carol, right? You, you, somebody has to preach the word to you. I'm not here because I, no, somebody preached the word to me, right? Somebody preached the word to him, to my father, on it, it goes back and back and back, right? Somebody preaches the word, and then we all as a congregation, we are all called to hear and heed the word, to receive the word, to respond to the word, to live out the word. And can't we all agree, church, that's hard to do? It's hard for a pastor to faithfully and accurately preach the word, especially in this world that we live in with all of the lies, all of the pushback, all of the resistance from the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
Right? It is hard to preach Christ, to preach the truth, to preach clear Christian doctrine and morality in this world. And church, it's not just up here, right? It's you. It's hard to hear the word. Right? Sometimes it, it might be because my sermons might err on the long side, trying to work on that, shortening it, make it more compact and concise. But more, more so of the time, it's hard to receive the word because it's hard to understand. I've heard it said before, it's, well, it's actually, it's not hard to understand the Bible. It's pretty simple. It's hard to really understand the Bible, right? We get what the text says, but it's hard to really internalize it, believe it, live it out. That is very hard. And church, it's hard for all of us. Why do I say all of that? The only way forward, the only way that we can be a gospel church, the only way that we can be a beacon in this community is by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way that we can persevere in the faith is by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way that we can respond to the Word is by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way I can stand up here week after week is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Apart from Him, we are wasting time. I've said that phrase before, and it is so true. Apart from the Spirit of God, we are wasting time. We can do nothing apart from Him. So church, I ask you, right, uh, I call him Uncle Fred, uh, you know, Pastor Elder Fred, and my dad, they've, they've all mentioned the Spirit of God, but they've all given you encouragements and things to hear, but I ask you this one thing, church, as we move forward, as we continue in this discipleship journey, will you please join me on my knees repeatedly as we seek the face of God, as we seek His presence and as we seek his power. Those are the three points. Here's the poem for you. All right. Only one life will, will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. When I am dying, how happy I will be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. It is all about him. It's not about me today. It's not. It's not about the free food either. Though that's a gift from God, right? It's about Him. So at this time, in conclusion, to wrap all this up, I'd like to ask my papa to come up, uh, James Sr. I'd like for him to pray over me, to pray over the church. And papa, will you come up? Lead us to the throne of grace and... Pray over me. Pray over us. Lord, I love you today. I thank you, Lord, because you knew Jimmy D before he came into this world. Lord, I thank you, Lord, because you chose him 
when he was a very young man. Lord, he, you chose him. He didn't choose you. But in accepting your choosing, Lord, he became what he is today. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for charting the path of the journey that he has traveled up to this point. Pray, Lord, that you will continue charting his journey till the end. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for giving him godly parents that trained him the right way. Lord, I thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for giving him a godly wife that is encouraging him, praying for him, and keeping with him, dear Heavenly Father. And Lord, I thank you for the Hillsborough Baptist Church, Lord, that today has ordained him, accepted him as their pastor, Lord, as their shepherd, dear Heavenly Father. We give you the praise, glory for everything that you're doing in his life. And Lord, we know that great things are going to happen through by you, through him, and Lord, we pray that you will help him to stay humble and let him always realize that it is you that's doing the work and not him. We thank you, Lord, for Jimmy D., for Megan. Thank you for this church, Lord, that has accepted them, dear Jesus. We give you the praise and glory for everything in thy name. Amen.